Money matters to God, but why? Actually, the Bible has over 2,000 verses on money and its place in our lives. Jesus talked about money and stewardship more than heaven, hell, or prayer. It's also one of the areas where we have the most questions. Join us as we jump into what God has to say in this series called Money Matters. Hey, we start every year here at Grace Life. If you've ever been a part of Grace Life, uh, we start every year with what we call a week of prayer and fasting. We actually do it twice a year. We do it every January. We do it every August. And every January and every August, without fail, all the time, the top two categories for our prayer request, where people are saying, would you pray for me for these things? Number one is always marriage or relationships. Somebody's always asking, I need God to do a move in either the relationship with my husband or my wife, my brother, my sister, my mother, my father, or something like that. They're always asking God to do a miracle in a broken relationship. That's one of the top two. The other one is their money. And they're always saying, I need God to move, or I'm going to need a bankruptcy attorney, or I'm going to be in big trouble. I don't know how I'm going to pay for next month or whatever the situation is. And so when people put those prayer requests in, you know what we do? We pray. We do. We pray because that's what we say we're going to do. We come together with you every morning during our week of prayer and fasting, and we pray for every single one of those cards multiple times all week long. And it is awesome to hear the stories of how God did a miracle in some of those relationships or in some of those finances. But the truth is, not only do we need to pray, we need to teach. Because we get so busy asking God to move in our lives, we forget we need to move in our lives sometimes. Like, we need to do what God has already taught us to do. So we just finished a three-part series on marriage and relationships. Again, anything that we can teach about marriage translates to another relationship in your life, I promise. You just, you just have to translate it. So if you missed any of that, go back and get that. Uh, either online or on our app. Matter of fact, after the third one, I had a lady who walked up to me, single lady. She said, I've been divorced for, for a very long time, and that was still one of the best series I've ever heard. That's helping me so much with the rest of my life. So I just want to tell you, if you're not married, don't, don't count it out. Is there something in there for you? Especially those of you that are still forming relationships and figuring out how to do them right. Yeah. And, and so today we're going to do a short little three-part series on finances a lot of fun. Woo, come on. Nobody ever says amen when I say that one. I'm not sure why. And, uh, you know, here's the reason that we need to talk about this in church. Outside of the number of prayer requests, we get as great evidence that we need to talk about it. Uh, but first of all, did you know that money is truly one of the great competitors for our devotion to God? Jesus said that it's money and how we can use it in our lives or how it controls us that will actually cause many to fall away from their faith. You may not know this, there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible about money and how we use it, right? And Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven, hell, or prayer. So it sounds like to me that, that money matters to God, which is why we're calling this Money Matters, because money matters to God. It should probably matter to us too. So three-part little series, we're going to have three themes based on three words, simply this, honor, margin, and generous. Today, we're going we're gonna to start with the idea of honor. So I want to ask you a question. How do you honor someone in your life, especially like as, as you're younger and you're, you're looking at like some of the old people like Tom and he's lost all this hair up here, but I'm not gonna pick on you because you can still grow it right here. So I'm, I'm impressed. Got man crush on the beard thing. I'm, I'm gonna leave you alone with that there. So how do you honor somebody who is older than you? How do you honor a relationship in your life? I've got, uh, that's a good answer, by the way. I've got a friend in my life who was in a professional uh, setting with me where he was actually my superior in, in a way. And uh, he's also a pastor. I'm a pastor. And, and we had a breakdown in our relationship at one point. And 
as I sat down with him to kind of talk through it, because it's really good when pastors work through conflict, right? You know, we're supposed to be the example. And uh, as he and I are talking, he just says, well, the problem, Jimmy, is I, I just don't feel honored when I work with you and try to help you. And I thought, wow, because like, I like you. I think I'm honoring you. Like I'm, I'm trying to treat you the way that I think that, that you should be treated. And the problem was, as soon as I had that thought, I realized what was wrong with that is because I was treating him the way I think he should be treated. I wasn't treating him the way he thinks he should be treated. So you guess where I'm gonna, what, what I'm, question I'm gonna ask next. How do you honor God? Do we honor God the way that we think he should be treated or do we honor God the way that God thinks he should be treated? And so for this message, I went and did a little bit of homework. I looked up all of the ways that, that God tells us in scripture to honor him. And obviously, one of the first ones that comes to mind is like when we obey him, when we do what he says, we honor him. There's another one he said. He said, when you treat me as holy, and a lot of times we think the word holy simply means like pure or something like that. The truth is uh, holy means set apart. Like we're here, God is over there. Actually, we're here and God is, he's, he's above, you know, in that sense. God, God is holy. He is set apart. And so when we, when we say God is God and I am not, you know, like when people ask the question, what do you think about? And you say, it doesn't matter what I think about. It matters what God thinks about because God is set apart. God is holy. You know what I'm saying? And, and so when we treat him as holy, he says, you honor me. But then multiple places throughout scripture, there's one very specific, most practical part of our lives. He says that this honors me. Proverbs 3 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Very, very simply put here, honor God with what you have because it was a gift from him and honor him with what you have, especially as you get it by giving to him from the first and the best. That's what the word first fruits means right there. Now look, a lot of people when you preach on something like this, and the majority of the Bible sounds this way, by the way. And so a lot of people discount this. They say, I don't need to hear about this because, well, I'm not a farmer. It's like farmer language. You ever read the Bible and you see how much farmer language is in there? Like, honor the Lord with the best of your trees and the first of your produce and the, the first of your herds. And you're like, I ain't got no herds, man. Like, we got a poodle. That's it. We got one poodle. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so a lot of people are like trying to discount this, this whole thing about finances because every time the Bible talks about it, it talks about it in farmer language. But you need to understand that was simply the culture of the day when the Bible was written. Like, there, there were no IT guys when the Bible was written. There were no stock analysts when the Bible was written. There were no F-18 fighter pilots when the Bible was written. So whatever it is, it is as relevant today as ever. And you can say, okay, man, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Jimmy. I'm going to, I'm going to plant some tomatoes this summer. I'm going to have a tomato farm, and I'm going to give God part of my tomato farm. I'm going to have three tomato plants. Three tomato plants not a tomato farm, just for the record. You know, that's like enough for you to have some sandwiches, BLTs kind of thing. So it's as relevant today as it's ever been. Honor God with however you take care of your life. If you're not growing, like, tons of corn and wheat and, and you don't have your own sheep and I don't know, it just sounds like there should be a Settlers of Catan reference in here at some point, right? Come on, anybody with me, you know? And if, if you're actually making your living from a part-time job at McDonald's or a full-time job at Blue Cross or in the Army or something, God says, honor me with what you have, regardless of where it came from and with the first fruits, as you get it. So let's go back to the idea of honoring God with our wealth. I wanna ask the question that I think everybody should ask at this point, which is, 
Why? I mean, honoring God, let's think about this. If we want to honor God as our Savior and, and talk about all the great things that he's done, we, we do that with like praise and worship. I mean, all of you guys were just down here a minute ago and our hands are in the air and we're going, you know, unstoppable God, you can do what nobody else can do. And, and that honors him, right? And, and if we were to honor him as God Almighty, we would, we would trust him like you, you are strong. You have everything. You're stronger than anything. So I'm just going to trust you because you've got tomorrow. So why do we need to honor God with our finances? And the reason for that is because he is God Almighty and he is our redeemer and he is our creator. He's also our provider. And it's one of the names he actually gave for himself in the Bible. You know, we, we, I've got names, like depending on what your relationship is with me, it'll depend upon the name you use. Like uh, maybe the name is Jimmy or the name is Pastor, the name is PJ for some staff members for some reason and a few others. That, that just, I don't know. But anyway, it's a, it's a thing. And uh, for some people, it's dad. For, for my little girl, it's daddy. Yeah, there you go. And for my wife, it's G. And uh, don't, that's a Romanian thing. And it's, it's, I got different names, right? And it depends upon the relationship with me. And so if you go to God, he gave himself multiple names to his people so that when they needed something in that relationship, they could use that name. He gave himself a name that represented healing, a name that represented victory. He gave himself a name, we say it in English very poorly, and it sounds like this, says Jehovah Jireh. And what that literally means is, I am the Lord, your provider. What he's saying is, is do you have stuff? I gave it to you. Some of us say, well, you know, well, yeah, I've got stuff. I've worked hard. The Bible says, whatever you have is a gift from God. You say, but I, I worked hard to get it. And God says, yeah, I gave you the health and the ability to work hard to get it, so I still gave it to you. You say, yes, but I got more than I should have because I'm really good at what I do. God says, yeah, I gave you the talent and the skills. No, no, I gave it to you. All of it comes from me. And it is recognizing that everything we have comes from God. And so here's the thing. He's, he's so much more than just provider. He is our creator. He is the giver of life. He's the one who forgives. He's the one who gave us eternal life. He's the one who blesses. He's, he's everything. And, and so the question that we have to ask, if we're gonna honor God with our wealth, when, when he has given us eternal life, forgave us for everything we've ever done wrong, and, and what number would you use? I mean, like, what amount? Just, just imagine for a minute that we go back in time before the Bible gave us an answer, because it did, and I'm gonna share it with you today, but before that was ever written, before there was ever a scripture, imagine you're like one of the first dudes or dudettes on the earth with God, and God blesses you. What do you give back? True story actually happened with a guy named Abraham. Abraham is one of the first guys that God ever had a deep one-on-one -on -one relationship with. God came to Abraham and he said, look, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make a mighty people out of you. You're gonna be the father of my people. You're gonna, you're gonna be the father of multitudes. And everybody on the earth is going to be blessed through the blessing that I give you. And so if you've ever wondered, why do we say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because it started with Abraham, and those were the next two generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so something happened. God blessed Abraham. Abraham got into this situation. God showed up, did something amazing. Abraham comes out of it, and he has been blessed financially. He is wealthy. And he thinks, you know, I should probably bless God. I should honor him because he just blessed me. He gave me all of this stuff. Now, you got to imagine at that point, what would be the correct number? I mean, again, this is the first guy in history 
who does not want to be struck with a lightning bolt. So, I mean, this is dangerous territory, like picking a number to honor God, right? And so he could say, well, I, I guess 100, 100%, because like if God hadn't shown up, I wouldn't have any of this. So really it kind of all goes to God, right? I mean, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Or we could do like the American current culture, which is, well, we're in business together. It's a business thing. Like we've got business partners, you know? So I'm gonna work hard in this area. You're gonna work hard in that area. We're gonna split it (laughs) 50-50. Yeah, like, well, you know what, God? You blessed me. But I mean, after all, I did show up for the battle. If I didn't show up for the battle, you wouldn't have blessed me. And after all, I'm the one that carried all the gold all the way back over here. It's kind of heavy down here. You could have sent an angel, but you didn't. So I should get a little bit of credit here, you know? (laughs) Like 50-50. Anybody wanna look at God and say 50-50? Well, here's the truth. Abraham didn't do 100. He didn't do 50-50. He did much, much less. And the truth is, all of it's not enough. We know that, right? It's not a trick question. All of it is not enough. And because we'd never be able to give God enough to honor him for what he's done in our lives, I like to say it this way. I believe God gave us an incredibly merciful answer. Here's how it's worded. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's. Every tithe is the Lord's. It is wholly set apart to the Lord. Once again, farmer language, but don't get caught up in the farmer language because we have day jobs. And, and you know what happens at this point, that word tithe, we get a little confused because it's like a church word. And sometimes we reinterpret church words because we think they're ancient Hebrew or ancient Greek or something. And so we, we do what we want in place of the word Well, the word tithe just means tenth. There you go. That's the magic answer. God says every tenth. So if you plant like a a field of corn, every tenth uh, bush of of corn, stalk, stalk, that's what it is. Every tenth stalk of corn or every tenth ear of corn, it belongs to God. If you do plant your little three tomato plants, the first of every 10 tomatoes belongs to God. If you get a paycheck, if you go and you invest in Bitcoin, God bless whoever does that, and uh, you make a lot of money, every 10th dollar or 10th penny or 10th dime, however you want to count them, it's, it's actually God's. That's what he claims. Every 10th is the Lord's. It's set apart as holy to him. And the thing, though, is we take this, this weird tithe word, and so we change it to, to kind of be like a religious thing. Like tithe means what you give when you go to church, and we don't know what that really means. And I grew up watching Dick Van Dyke and then I trained my kids to watch Dick Van Dyke, even in black and white, and they love it, don't they? Come on, anybody in here love Dick Van Dyke besides me? Y'all, there you go. And man, I love to see Dick Van Dyke represented right out here. That is cool. And, and so Dick Van Dyke, Robert Petrie in the show, he would do this crazy thing. When he comes home, his, his little son, Richie, would always come running, Daddy, Daddy, what did you bring me today? And uh, Robert would always reach in his pocket and go, uh, and he would pull out whatever he had. It was a stick of gum one time, and little Richie, oh, God bless the 50s and 60s. Oh, a stick of gum. I'm so excited. Like most of y'all would be like, stick of gum. I thought I was wanting an iPhone 12 just for the record. Stick of gum, not quite. Come on, dad. No, dad. All right, but anyway, Richie was cool with the stick of gum. Another time, he reaches in his pocket and says, daddy, daddy, what'd you bring me today? And he pulls out and he has a paperclip. And Richie's excited for a paperclip. And so here's my point. Uh, imagine that Richie had already defined what he expected daddy to bring him. Like, let's say that he expected daddy to bring him like an apple, the best tasting apple he could find. Like, stop by the market and get me my favorite kind of apple. And and so when Robert Petrie runs in the door, Richie comes up to him and goes, daddy, daddy, did you bring me the apple that I asked for? And Robert goes, well, I thought that was kind of just, you know, 
a Hebrew word for bring whatever I want. Here's a paperclip. Wouldn't have quite worked out, would it? So look, for the rest of the day, what I want us to do is to, to remove the word that we sometimes confuse that we think is up to our interpretation. And we're gonna put in the word that it actually means for the rest of the time we're reading today. So every tenth of whatever you get, seed of the land, whatever, whatever, paycheck, everything that comes, it is the Lord's, it is holy to the Lord's. And I say, merciful. Because God could have said 100. He could have said 90, he could have said 50, he could have said anything, and he said 10. And I think it's merciful. You know, Abraham did give 10, by the way. And I think it's either because he understood the heart of God or he was the luckiest man on the planet when it comes to guessing numbers. I think he understood the heart of God. And here's what I mean by that. God doesn't want it all back. God has it all in the first place. He didn't give it to you. He didn't bless you so that you could give it back and be unblessed. He didn't give you your provision so you could give it back and go hungry. He is your father. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider. He intends to provide. He wants to bless you. His intent was never to say, give it all back because that still ain't enough. You should feel like dirt that I had to come and save you in the first place. That's not our God. It's not who he is. It's not his heart towards us. But at the same time, our God who knows all, who has been from the beginning, always was, always will be, was before the beginning as we define the word. He also knows the enemy the one who tempts, the one who corrupts. And he says, so here's the reality. From, from this moment, back thousands of years ago, until the moment my son comes and dies on the cross, until the moment that my son returns, and for those of you sitting around in 2021, in that moment, for every moment, there will be a pull at the human heart in a world that is filled with stuff. The world's always been filled with stuff. Go back and read about the stuff they had 5,000 years ago. I mean, they had walls painted with gold. It's always been about stuff. It was about chariots. Today, it's about the wheels on your car. I mean, it's always been about stuff. It was about having messengers that you could send off to do your thing. Now, it's about having the coolest iPhone that can send that messenger through text. You know, I mean, it's always been about stuff. And God says, here's what's gonna happen. For all of human history, there is going to be a demonic and corrupt pull at the hearts of my people to be entangled with the world and to be separated from me. But if they just, if they just have their stuff connected to my heart, just enough that they can never lose that. And that's where the 10 is. That's what it's all about. It's enough that we fill it. I mean, anybody in here who can just like give up 10% of your income and not fill it, uh, you can buy me dinner. Steak. Just saying. You fill it, but you still live really well. It keeps you every single time you're blessed going, thank you, God and at the same time, still enjoying the life that he gave you here. I think it's an incredibly merciful answer, at least that's the way that I see it. Set apart. The tenth is the Lord's. It is set apart for him. It's not ours. It's the first thing we have to come to the reality of. We don't choose whether or not we're gonna do this. Like, people all the time are like, hey, man, I'm, we're, we're, we're gonna do this. We wanna you know, give, give our tithe to this. You don't get to give your tithe to the, the food bank down the street because it wasn't yours to give. The tithe is his. It is set apart. 
I've got a budget app. When my money comes in, whatever it comes in, anything that comes in, one-tenth of it goes into the category that says tithe. It's not mine anymore. I don't get to do anything with it. So I'm going to close today. I want to share with you one passage, the primary passage in Scripture that wraps all of what I've been talking about. Honor, not ours, the tenth, what God does in our life. I want to wrap it all in this one thing. It's an Old Testament prophet God sent to speak to his people. And he started out with this. He says, look, a son honors his father and his servant, his master. If I them am a father, where's my honor? And he was rebuking his people about 400 years before the time of Jesus. He said, look, you still show up at your daddy's house and you'd never be rude to him, which by the way is a good idea. You show up at your daddy's house and you bring him a birthday present because it's his birthday and that is a good idea. And you servants, you work hard for your masters because you like your paycheck, which is also a good idea. But then I'm your heavenly father. I gave you life. I gave you breath. I give you everything and you don't honor me. And the people responded with, what do you mean? How do we not honor you? And he goes into quite a few things that they were doing that had become corrupt. And one of them was what they were doing with the tent that didn't belong to them. And God answers with a question a little bit later. He says, will man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. And I just want to stop right there because you need to understand something. The way that God words that, will man rob God, is a facetious question. For those of you not in high school yet, ridiculous question. Like a question that shouldn't have an answer. It's a question that should never be asked. God's like, seriously, y'all gonna rob from the creator who has everything and gave you everything? And like, how y'all gonna, you can't steal from heaven. Y'all can't do that. But you figured out a way. I can't believe, oh my God, you, you managed to rob from the one who has it. How, how? It was a question that was never meant to be answered. But he answered it because they asked, how have we robbed you? And his answer was, in your tenth that is mine, that is set apart from you for me because it is holy. But you kept it. Then he says, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me because it's not ours and we kept it and we did something else with it. Anybody, don't raise your hand. Anybody ever felt like your finances are cursed? I mean, like one step forward, two steps back. One step forward, three steps back. Hey man, we're, we're getting a stimulus check. It's gonna be awesome. And your washer breaks, your dryer breaks, your refrigerator breaks, your car breaks. Like, man, where's that extra money? It's already gone. You get a bonus. You hear about the bonus. On the way home with your bonus, get four flat tires. I mean, he's like, what is the deal? Well, the deal is your money's cursed because you're taking what doesn't belong. You're stealing. Not only are you stealing, which God says, do not steal. Like, don't steal from me. I won't steal from you. That's a bad idea. We're stealing from God. And he has an answer. You're cursed with a curse. You're robbing me. But here's the answer. If you want to not be cursed with a curse, you want to fix this, bring the full tenth that is not yours because it belongs to me, that is holy because it is set apart for me into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And don't miss those two words. People debate with me all the time or they debate with pastors. I'll put it that way. Some debate with me. Oh, that's in the Old Testament, Jimmy. I don't even want to get into that. There's a whole lot in the Old Testament. How about for I know the plans that I have for you to prosper you. I know the plans that I have for you for welfare and for good. You want that? You like that? That's also an Old Testament prophet for the record. 
Don't even go there. But they, they get into this whole debate. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, any time that God ever spoke and said, my house, he was referring to the place where he was worshiped. Period. Tabernacle, temple, today church. What he means by let there be food in my house is there's spiritual food, there's pastoral help, there's teaching, there's counseling. There's someone to come with you, sit on your couch when you're going through a really bad day. Someone to celebrate with you when God just did something you can't believe so good. So that there's natural food in this house and so that we should be able to do something for our community, especially in the midst of a pandemic. And so there should be lights when people come to worship because you know you might have a hard time in here if there weren't. We always wanna remind people at Grace Life, look, if a church, if, if a church is run correctly, you don't give to the church. You give through the church to the mission that God gave it to do on the earth, that there may be food in his house and that the food in his house may spill out into the community and all around the world. That was the commission that Jesus gave us. See, I think that God simply says, invest in what I invested in the most because the church is not this building. I hope y'all do. When y'all come here and y'all think of this, it's not, the church is not this building. The church uses buildings because if I told y'all, hey, I would like for y'all to join me for worship in August on the parking lot when it's 104 degrees, 80% humidity. Yeah, exactly, you just said no. You're like, I'm gonna worship Jesus online. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I don't, no. We use buildings, but that's all this is, is a building. The church is what I'm looking at, the people of God. And you know how they became children of God? Because he invested with the life of his son shedding his blood on the cross. He says, invest in what I invested in because you are the most expensive thing on the planet. The blood of Jesus is the highest priced commodity ever in human history. God goes on to say, so put me to the test. Bring the full tithe into my house and put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Let me get this straight. This always baffles me. So if we do what we're supposed to do, if we give you what's already yours, like we get extra credit? Come on, y'all should try this with your teachers at school. Hey, can I have extra credit for just showing up? Just calling you teacher. Hey, I'm here. You're the teacher. I get an A on the test, right? That's what God does. If you just honor me as God, you just do what I ask. I'm going to give you extra. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you so much. I'm going to open the windows of heaven. You're going to be blessed to a degree that you will not be able to say, I need. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Again, farmer language. Let me translate. I'll rebuke the devourer. There's an enemy and he's after you. And I will make sure that your ability to work, your your retirement funds, your whatever, that it's taken care of and protected from the devourer. You see, we, we forget something Jesus said. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. But we talk all the time about he came to kill and destroy, talk about our souls. Yeah, he came after your soul, but he also came after every single good thing God gave you while on this earth because when you feel like it's all been taken from you, you turn to heaven and go, God, why are you not good? The devil loves to steal from us. 
And there's something in the Bible, you, you've all, if you've been around Grace Life, heard me preach it, you've heard other people preach it. There's, there's a way that God corrects his people. It's either the active wrath or the passive wrath. And the active wrath is when God shows up right now and does something like Noah's flood. Boom, whoosh, wipe people out. Passive wrath is when God says, I'm just gonna correct you by getting out of the way and let you live in the life you wanted without me. And there's a concept all throughout scripture that when we, when we do whatever God says in any way, if we don't lie to our parents, if we don't steal from our neighbor, he blesses. And part of his blessing is a hand of protection from the enemy. And when we disobey God, there's a, it's all throughout scripture, not just on money. God removes his hand of protection and says, you didn't want it my way? Okay, I'm gonna let you experience it your way. Just remember, you've got an enemy. You asked me to get out of the way between him and you. Don't forget, you've got an enemy. You just asked me to not stand in between you and him anymore. Now look, all, all the young people, y'all probably been thinking, are y'all kidding me? Ignite weekend? Like we have heard the most incredible, inspiring teaching about our identity and who we are. Now we're called of God to change the world and do amazing things. And these, these jokers running this church go plan a money sermon for us to all show up for here. I do wanna appreciate y'all sitting as politely as you did right up until this point, but I want to tell you something. I think this is one of the best things you could ever hear right now. Because, see, I stand up here every Sunday and I talk about something that keeps us from being cursed with a curse and instead blessed. I encourage you to choose wisely what you do with your body because that brings the blessing of God instead of the cursing, the passive wrath. I encourage you how to treat your, your parents or your bosses or your neighbors. Every week I stand up here and talk about the difference between experiencing God out of the picture or bringing God into the picture. And I'm gonna tell you, there are a whole lot of old people again, those of us, that pay your bills, that, that have to try to clean up all of the financial messes we've made and have to try to recover from all of the years of being broke, being poor. And I think the best thing you could ever learn right now, as young as you are, is whenever God blesses me, I'm giving him the tent. Because imagine, again, God promises to bless you. Imagine if that process starts at 18, 14, 13 instead of 42. There are old people in this room who say, y'all need to figure this out. I started giving my kids an allowance a couple of months ago for this very reason. And, and first of all, you need to know, I, I despise the idea of an allowance. My idea is you get to live here. Last time I checked, I buy the groceries. I pay for the electricity that you run up on your Xbox the whole time. You don't do nothing. All it does is charge your iPad and run your Xbox and the TV that you use. I don't even understand. Like, I don't even get a thank you, Daddy, when you turn on the light switch around here. I don't think I should be giving you money to live in my house to clean your room. That's all you got to do. Gave them a really short list of stuff to do because I sat them down and said, look, here's how this is going to work. This is what you're going to get. And I'm not going to give it to you in, a, in like a paper bill one amount. I'm gonna give it to you because you're gonna have three things to put your money in. The first one is God's. In this house, I'm gonna teach you that God gets the first of everything. 
Sadly, they haven't cleaned their rooms. I hadn't had to give them much money, but it's okay. We have a choice. We can keep the tent that belongs to God because it is set apart for him, or we can just take it back, keep it for ourselves, and experience God's correction at the hands of the enemy. Or we can honor God by giving back to him what is his and be blessed by him. But look, today I've used a lot of scripture more than I usually do in a message, and the reason for that is very simple. I wanted to make sure you knew that I wasn't taking one obscure passage and twisting it. I wanted to make sure you see, again, over 2,000 passages in the Bible about money and its place in our lives. I wanted you to see as we start understanding the idea of honor, this is not something about the church. People always say, well, the church just wants your money. No, if a church is run correctly, you don't give to it, you give through it. So I always say this, if you think that I want your money, please go to another church and tithe when you get there. Because you need to honor God. And you don't need to be in any church that you think that they want your money for your money's sake. Speaking of that, that is why every year we produce one of these. It was on your seat when you came in. If you're online, you can simply click link in the chat or go to our website. It's our annual report that tells you what we have done to accomplish the mission here in the last year, even during a pandemic. I'm not gonna read any of this. You'll get to the cool page, by the way. There is a cool page in the back. $247,000 given to Global Outreach last year. That means it didn't get used inside this building. And somebody always says, well, well, that's nice. But now I look at the income you made and, and where's the other 80-something percent? I would say sitting right here. And I would say in one of the pastor's offices when your marriage was in trouble. And I would say by your side when the doctor said, we don't have an answer. Don't misunderstand. It's all missions. It's changing lives everywhere. And so the final thing I want to tell you about is how you could get started if you want to. If you want to take this step, but you, you just don't really know how because, well, a tenth is, is tough if you haven't been doing that. It's probably going to mean you have to adjust the way you spend some other things. But, you know, God said earlier, we read it, test me now in this. If you're not aware of this, I'll be the one to tell you. This is the only thing in all of the Bible, the only place, the only topic that God gives you permission to test him. Everything else he says, do it what I said, period. And in this case, he says, you can test me, and, and when you test me, I'm going to show up and prove myself to you. Like, seriously, God? Like, you don't, you don't owe us proof, but he says he's going to. And so we do something here called the 90-Day Tithing Challenge. It's very simple. You can uh, simply text 90-Day to the number on the screen, or you can go to our website or app, and you can sign up. And what that, what that means is you start on whatever date you sign up, saying, I'm going to give God the first tenth of everything that he gives me for the next 90 days. And if God shows up and does exactly what he says, well, then you're gonna be encouraged to keep going. If for whatever reason, you get to the end of the 90 days and you say, I don't feel like God did what he said, then you get every penny back. Because again, this is not between you and us, it's between you and God. We just want to help you have a step of faith. He's the one that said, test him. So we just wanna help you test him. You don't have to, there's no gimmick. There's no like, well, we're gonna have to meet with a pastor and show our budget and our receipts for 90 days to get it. No, no, literally just call, text, email, send smoke signals. 
You say, I want it back. Then you get it back. It's very rare because God always shows up. I was uh, starting my life group here about four weeks ago. My life group meets on Monday nights. It was the first time, and there are several life groups to meet here on Monday night. And a sweet little lady in the church, I, I like her a lot. She was in my life group earlier, and she's always smiling when I see her. And she came up, and she said, she had like three or four envelopes in her hand. She said, well, where, where can I put my tithe? And Monday night is a rather odd time. We don't have ushers by the door. So I said, well, i tell you what, that's... I'll take you to the bookkeeper's office. I'll show you where that is. You just slide it under the door. It'll be there in the morning when she comes in. It'll go in the bank. Nobody else will be able to touch it. So as we're walking down to the bookkeeper's door and, and we're walking back to the lobby and I'm saying, well, you know, kind of talking about it a little bit because she's, she's a little nervous and saying, I'm, I'm really struggling a little bit to do this. And, and uh, she was saying that, I'm thinking, well, maybe I could help and explain it a little bit and you'd struggle a little less with that. So I said, well, you know, I, I've taught on this a little bit. And if you want, you can go to our website. There's some of my teachings there. And she's like, oh, I've heard you teach. I agree with every word you say. I was a little, little baffled at that point. But she immediately said, it's not what I know. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> and I just laughed with her. I said, thank you for your honesty. So here's the deal. If you were like this lady and you know, that's what the Bible says, and you've heard it taught, and you just don't want to do it, because a tenth is a lot. The more you make, the more the tenth is. Common sense, right? And the less you make, the more you feel like it doesn't, you can't give it. Kind of a catch-22. So if you're in the place of this lady and you know, but you don't want, that's what the 90-day challenge is for because I promise you God's going to show up and then you're going to want to do that again. If you're in the place of saying, well, I know, but I just haven't and I should, I'm going to steal a slogan from a shoe company. Just do it. Come on. And for those of you that know and you already have and you're a part of making so much incredible ministry possible, I just want to say thank you. You are changing lives. You are. God has blessed us. Let's give him the honor that he deserves. He defined it. Whatever's in our pocket, paperclip to a $20 bill, it's not it. It's the first tenth of all that he's given us. It's holy. We don't touch holy. It's not ours. Let me pray for us. God, you are good. You are, you are amazing. Your blessings upon us. We, we look around at our world. We live in a first world country. We're some of the richest people in all of history. We can do more with our phones than kings could do hundreds of years ago. We are so blessed. Talk about food because it's a delicacy for us. We're not starving to get it. You are our provider. And today we just acknowledge, God, you are our provider. You are good. You have blessed us. So today, God, we want to ask you to move in our hearts. For any of us that are struggling to honor you as you have said to be honored, Help us move upon our hearts. God, for any of us that take the step of trying to honor you at the first tent, I pray that you will show up, as your word says, and blow their minds with what happens when you stand in between them and the enemy and you pour down a blessing. May it be indisputable, the goodness of God in their life.
If you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I want to talk to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. See, it's a very simple truth. The church is the most expensive thing that's ever been on the earth because it cost the life of Jesus. See, Jesus lived a perfect life. So when he died on that cross, his blood was able to pay for our sins, not his own. And that's the reason that he offers forgiveness, salvation through his death for anybody that looks at him hanging on the cross, time compressed, 2021 goes back in time 2,000 years. And you look at him and say, thank you. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that right now, wherever you are, especially if you're one of the young people in this room that have yet to surrender to Jesus. Simply say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now, I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. Thank you that I'm forgiven. My prayer today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen. <laughs>